How did I end up here? <laughs> well, let me tell you a little story. I'll start with my college. I went to a liberal, liberal arts college. I don't know exactly everything that means, but I know it does mean that you can't just take what you enjoy or what your major is. There's quite a broad requirements. You have to take you know, literature, history, humanities, and all, you know, foreign language, music, art, classes. They want you to have a, a broad education. And I got there and got, looked at the catalog, you know, start choosing your things, and it shows you all the requirements to graduate. There was one class that I just cringed from. That was speech. <laughs> you had to have a speech credit to graduate. And that is the last thing I was interested in having to do. Get up in front of people and talk. It wasn't me. Well, at the end of my freshman year, I was looking towards the next year and looking through the catalog and looking through the different speech classes and the ones that meet the graduation requirement had an asterisk next to them. I, my eyes lit on one class, radio production. <laughs> I, I, I'd gotten to know some people at the college radio station. I kind of enjoyed being around there and watching and you know, helping with things. So I said, that's it. So I took it, you know, and you did have to do some speaking, but you're never in front of an audience. It's a microphone you're in front of. So that made it quite a bit easier. At the end of my junior year, they sent all the people who were going to be seniors a list of outstanding requirements just to make sure, okay, you got one more year to get them in. And I looked at it, and they said, speech. And I cringed. I said, what? So I went right down to the registrar's office and said, I took a speech class, you know, radio production. It meets the requirement. And she says, well, it doesn't in the current catalog. But if you want to declare that you are graduating under the 1970 catalog, then it will meet it. I said, put me down for it. <laughs> I am not going to take another speech class. And so, as things went, I ended up a little while after graduation, a place of fellowship, and they didn't have a designated pastor, just different brothers who were there would learn and study and Sure, I got by myself involved in that, and suddenly I realized, you know what? Being up and sharing and speaking and encouraging those who are your friends, especially, isn't such a bad thing. Well, unlike Popeye the sailor man who said, I am what I am, the apostle said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so, by the grace of God, and through many other experiences, here we are, and here I am. And so, Tyler was asking, you know, if anyone could fill in while they're gone, and he kind of looked my way, and <laughs> I said, all right. And so he gave me a list of, you know, possible topics to, to consider, and I chose one, and then he gave me his outline he already had, and I thought, no wonder he is so intent on his laptop when he has it is 
was so dense, all the things he had in there. I don't know if I'll get to all he, ha all he had. I added some of my own as well. But the title is God First. Or as he sent it to me, he said, put God in first place and see where he takes you. So first question, the first item, why you should put God first? Well, the first is obvious, because he said so. God said, Exodus 23 and 4, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any images. You shall not bow down to any other gods. God wants to be God in our lives. He doesn't want us to allow any other thing, object, relationship, riches, anything of those sorts to take his place in our lives. Secondly, why you should put God first, it fosters your relationship with him. In Psalm 34, it says, righteous people cry out, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to those whose hearts are humble. He saves those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person has many troubles, but the Lord rescues him from all of them. And in Deuteronomy 31.16, which kind of is a reference in the book of Hebrews, he said, be strong and courageous. Do not fear and dread for them, the enemies in the land. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. That's what the book of Hebrews, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Putting him first keeps that relationship strong in our lives, fosters your relationship with them. Next, it gives him more and better opportunities to bless your life. First Peter 5 says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And it says in Psalm 138, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty or the proud, he knows afar off. And that's kind of interesting. <laughs> the proud, way off. I know you, but the humble, are, he is near to. Also, it gives you a chance to be more aware of how he's using you, working through you to bless others. If you put him first, you can enjoy what it is he is doing in and through your life. Philippians 2, 13, for it is God who works in you both the will and the work of his good pleasure. And Ephesians 2 tells us we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus and the good works which he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then Hebrews 13, Paul says, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So there's some reasons why you should put God first. Now, what are the ways to put God's first? First, Start the day with him.
The example of Jesus Christ when he was on earth, it says in Mark 1, 35, and, de- and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Jesus and his dependence on his heavenly father knew what it meant to put him first. Psalm 63 says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Other ways, to, another way to put God first is give him the Sabbath or the first day of the week. Oh, my fault, I forgot to plug it in. <laughs> I got a good helper. The first day of the week, one of the commandments, Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Also, in a similar way, in the first day of the week, regularly gather with God's people and be involved with God's people. It says in Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another with love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't just seek to come and be blessed. Seek to be a blessing to others around you as well. There's a song we used to sing. I don't know if they sing it here, but the chorus says, Make me a blessing, make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today, every day. May God use us to be a blessing to others. Other ways, it's still on the Sabbath, following that idea the first day of the week, give him more than an hour each week. And Tyler had an interesting note here. It says, if you go to the gym for one hour a week, you know, that's not bad, but it's really not enough to really be effective in light of your well-being. To be truly healthy, you need healthy habits and lifestyle. It says in 1 Timothy 4, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Other ways to put God first. Start the day, give him the first day of the week. Involve him in every decision. Ask, pray, listen. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Also in James 4, it says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you want to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I want you to think about something there. You should say, if the Lord wills. 
In the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, it gives an account of the fall of Lucifer. And this is what it says concerning him. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights and the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Something kind of continues to ring in that passage, doesn't it? I will. I will. That was what brought down Lucifer. You ever get the idea that maybe when we start saying, I will, we're not putting God first? <laughs> putting ourselves first, but we're kind of taking our lead from someone else. Think about the Lord Jesus, though. When he came, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Next, as far as involving him in every decision, don't assume that you know what God will do. In 2 Samuel 5, shortly after David became king, it says, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal Parazim, and David defeated them there. A few verses later it says, And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephraim. Hey, same thing, right? Exactly the same situation. David, does he say, oh, I got this. I know how this works. Well, when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when you hear the sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that you shall bestir yourself. For then shall the Lord go out before you and smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so, as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until you come to Gezer. God's plan isn't always the same. <laughs> and by just going by what we think or the way it's, it's always been this way, no, ask God, seek. Lord, should this be the way to go? And hear what he has to say. And allow the scriptures as well to verify what God's, what you, how you feel God is leading. You can't always have proof text for everything. But it's good to say, you know, is this decision in any way contrary to God's word? And sometimes he will give you very clear confirmation. As, you know, I can cite a few examples. I had once taken a life verse. It was Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord shall perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy to the Lord endure forever. Forsake not the work of your own hands. And one time I was studying the scripture, and Connie and I had been dating for a while. And totally outside of my train of thought, God said, 
That verse applies to Connie now. She is part of what concerns you. You know what? That gave me some courage to say, all right, I know who I should ask to marry me. And here we are. You know, some other, pardon the homely examples, but there was a time we were looking to buy a house. And we were kind of, is this what we should do? And my reading that morning was in the book of Jeremiah where God tells him, go to your relative and tell him, sell me this land, this house. Sell me this the houses bought again in this, in this land. You know what? That gave me some encouragement. Okay, God, I think you're saying you should buy this house. And we did. And similar other homes we've had, let God lead you. Also, involve him in every activity. First Chronicles 16, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. In Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, work hardly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Give tithes and offerings generously and joyfully. You know, you often hear and talk about that before the offering. But Malachi 3.10, God says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and improve me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know, God kind of lays out a challenge there. Prove me. Prove if I will do it or not. Put me to the test. You know, that's a little different, of course, you don't want to tempt the Lord God as Satan, and Jesus quoted that to Satan when he was being tempted, but there are some places God says, all right, prove me, prove it, that, I'll, that you're trusting me and that I'll do this for you. Then, other ways to put God first. Allow yourself to be used by God. Take advantage of your circumstances. Share your time and talents in serving others so that he may be glorified. In 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Think about the story of Joseph for a minute. Here he was, his brother sold him into slavery. He gets into a house. The next thing you know, he's in charge of the house. He's doing everything, this slave. And then he's betrayed, he gets thrown into prison. Before you know it, he's running the prison for the prison, for the prison keepers. He pretty much says, oh, you're doing a great job, Joseph. You take care of it. And then eventually he gets, comes out and ends up in Pharaoh's helper. And he is second in command in Egypt. He even gets the Pharaoh's ring to make decisions, to stamp them. You know what? Joseph let God work through his circumstances. Even though they might have often were not where he wanted to be, what he would have chosen to be, yet in the place God put him, he put God first. And God honored him. And God used him and worked very much through him. Another way, put God first. Live the greatest commandment. 
And again, from the story of Jesus, when the Pharisees, in Matthew 22, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But what happens when you don't put God first? One, you lack the full level of God's favor. In Romans 2, 9 through 11, it says, There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. God doesn't show favoritism, and, but it does say God shows favor some, to some and sometimes not to others. God will not treat us differently in that respect. We all need his work, the blood of Jesus in our lives, but we reap what we sow. And it says, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Another thing, if we don't put God first, we'll miss out on God's wisdom. It says in Proverbs 8, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. You don't put God first. We don't put God first. We will be confounded and frustrated because we don't understand. If you, you know, not sure what's going on, not sure what the direction of your life is, that's probably a, an indication that maybe you need to put God first. Because God has a plan for our lives. God has a plan for our days and for our steps. He wants to lead us. There's another song I almost wish he would have put it in today. I think it might have been Fanny Crosby. He said, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy? Who through life has been my guide? For I know whatever, whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. But... What happens when you do put God first? He will meet your needs, but not necessarily your wants. He knows what is best for you and truly will provide for you. And in Matthew 6, the Lord Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Second, your focus will be on the important things, the eternal things. It says... In Matthew 6, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you put God first, you will be focused on pleasing him not the very opinions and whelms of others. 
Again, there's many examples you could consider in this. Noah was probably putting in some pretty good ridicule for building a giant boat when it had never rained. But he was obedient. Job was going through so much. Everything, everything imaginable was going wrong for Job. And yet, he wouldn't listen to others that told him, give up on God. He never, I wish I, um, but it, it was, he, I forgot to look that one up, but anyway, he, he never, you know, behaved in a shameful way. He always acknowledged and lived before God. Another thing, if you put God first, you will enjoy stability of life. In Psalm 16, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Putting the Lord always before you. Guess what? He takes care of the way. You won't stumble. He'll guide and you'll have that kind of stability in your life. It also says in Psalm 6, well, verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And also there says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. One other thing, and I'm sure there could be more, when you put God first, you will know true joy and satisfaction. But I meant to put this verse here where he said, you'll make known to me the path of life. That's quite a statement. The path of life is the one you want to be on. It says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Full joy. It's your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Not just for a temporal time, but pleasures forevermore. And so, God first. There's a few quotes here that Tyler put in. I'll read a few of them. If you've not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will be the, in the end, it will make no difference what you have chosen instead. That's from William Law. A.W. Tozer said, as God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. <laughs> Here's one, Paul Chapel. Putting him first in your life should be your daily goal, the main pursuit in the midst of all your other pursuits. So, I'm not going to read these all. Putting God first doesn't mean we'll never have trouble. But when troubles come, it doesn't need to give us doubt or fear. Again, we're trusting him and walking in his way every day of our lives. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you have made such a great provision for us, not only saving us through the work of the Lord Jesus, 
on the cross, but wanting us to know newness of life and every day to have that as our goal, to follow your will for us. We thank you that that is the way that the Lord Jesus walked and that you're teaching us to be more and more like him. And we pray that we would be those cooperating with you, allowing you to work what it is you desire in our lives and to know your leading and your guidance in our decisions and choices, to not be those trying to be self-determined, but to be those who are, whose lives are determined by your infinite wisdom and your eternal desire for our good. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.